Well, God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thanks so much for coming. We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there. So we bring that service to you wherever you are. And we hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22? And that's where we're going to be today. And as you know, we'll also put those verses up here for you in the video just to make it easier for you to follow along. Now today we're continuing along in our journey through the book of Genesis. Remember in Hebrew, Hasefer Bereshit. And this week we're in the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. And as we're getting closer to finishing the study of the life of Abraham, we're seeing new stories of how God is stretching Abraham out. Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. He's also the father of faith for those who believe in the Jewish Mashiach, Jesus the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. And today I'd like to talk to you about the building of a man of faith. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And of course, we're talking about Abraham and how God is building Abraham into a, a man of faith. He's patiently stretching out Abraham's faith, chapter to chapter, verse to verse. You've seen it over the past uh, several weeks. He's showing Abraham that Abraham can trust God for even bigger things, that nothing is impossible with God. And today we'll see how God continues in building Abraham into a man of faith. Let's look at chapter 2, uh, sorry, chapter 22, that is, starting at verse 1. And it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, then God said to Abraham, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall show you, which I should tell you about. Now, we're in Genesis chapter 22, and we just read verses 1 through 2. Let's stop right there just for a little bit, and let's talk about these. It says that God tested Abraham. This wasn't so much a test to produce faith, but it was rather a test to reveal faith to Abraham. Reveal the faith that he had in them and that God would show Abraham that faith that was in him by stretching his faith to ask him for even more belief on God. God's building Abraham slowly, piece by piece, year by year, day by day. He's building Abraham into a man of faith. And he says to him, now take now your son, your only son. It reminds him that Isaac is that son he's been waiting for for 25 years. <clears throat> and now God's telling him, take your son, your only son. And he's going to ask him to offer him there as a sacrifice. Now, Abraham had another son, as you know, Ishmael, through the bondwoman Hagar. But Ishmael was not the ones that God had chose to put the seed of the promise of the Messiah into. That promise would come through the seed of Isaac or Isaac, the son that Abraham had through Sarai, his wife. 
And so we see that Ishmael was put away from Abraham's family last week. And as far as God was concerned, Abraham now only had one son that pertained to this promise. And that was Isaac, or Isaac, his son. And then God tells Abraham, says, offer Isaac there as a burnt offering. Ah, that must have been hard to hear. God told Abraham to offer his only son, his son that he had been waiting for, the miracle child that he had when Abraham was 100 years old and his wife Sarah was 90 years old. And now God's telling him to offer him at a place where he's going to show him and offer him as a burnt offering. This was not an offering that was burned alive, by the way, but it was first sacrificed and killed and then completely burnt before the Lord as a burnt offering. But that didn't really give Abraham any consolation. Abraham must have wondered if the Lord, if Yahweh, the Lord, Adonai, if He was like the gods of the Canaanites, and the other people of the land worshiped their false gods, and their false gods, their pagan gods, would have them sacrifice their children. And that, this must have sounded like a strange request from the Lord to ask of Abraham. But in the end of the story, Abraham will know that God is not like the pagan gods that demanded human sacrifice. In fact, the true living God, the maker of all things, was just the opposite. The true God, the Almighty Creator, was a God filled with love and compassion. He didn't come to destroy. He came to give life and to give life more abundantly. The enemy of God, the devil, came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said He, the Messiah, was come to give life and to give it more abundantly. There's no way that God would ever direct someone to do what He had told Abraham to do. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But God had already revealed in His heart and His will. And to us today, He's revealed Himself to us in His Word. And the Word of God tells us what He approves of and what He disapproves of. <clears throat> but at the end of Genesis 22, in the life of Abraham, God had a unique opportunity to see if Abraham truly trusted him in everything. Abraham didn't have the written word of God, remember. All he knew about God was that God had spoken to him before, but he didn't know what God's heart was like. And in the people all around him, in the land all around him, people were sacrificing children to their false gods. He didn't know if the God that was speaking to him was like that, or he wasn't. But he did know that God had promised him something, that his seed would be through Isaac, his son. So something had to happen, and he believed God that God would one way or the other work it out. Either that God would stop him from sacrificing his son, or that he would sacrifice his son and God would raise his son from the dead. Because God had to fulfill those promises about His descendants being more in number than the sand on the sea and the stars in the sky. God had to fulfill that somehow. And He reasoned in His mind, Abraham did, that if God had His son killed, then somehow God would have to raise him from the dead. Because God would keep His word. He knew that much about God. He knew that you could trust God that God was a God who did what He said He would do. He didn't forget His promises. He kept His promises. 
Remember, Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for God to give the promised son, Isaac, to them. And now in their old age, when they're well beyond the ages of uh, the years of childbearing, God did this wonderful, great miracle, and there's Isaac given to them. And now they're laughing with joy as they behold their son, the miracle child that God had given them. But Abraham didn't have the written word of God as we do today. He didn't know the heart of God. And God was using this unique circumstance as a way to see just how far Abraham's trust would go. God had no intent for letting Abraham kill his son. He just wanted to see if Abraham had the will to obey God. And so we see then that it said that offer him as a burnt offering is what God told Abraham. Now to Abraham this might have seemed a little bit confusing and like I said it might have been as if it contradicted the promise. Because God said, you're going to have seed more, uh, more in number than the sand on the seashore, than the stars in the sky. And, and yet this was the only son that Abraham had that this seed could come from. At one time, Abraham had told God, well, may, may Is Ishmael live before you? And God said, no, I'm going to take care of Ishmael. Don't worry about him, but in Isaac your seed will be called. God took the miracle child and was going to make an even greater miracle out of the miracle child. And he was going to multiply the descendants of Abraham so much that they were beyond number. And then the greatest miracle was that through his seed, through the seed of Abraham, through the seed of Isaac, Isaac, God was going to bring the promised one, the Messiah, the Mashiach, who was going to take away the sins of mankind that had kept mankind out of heaven, that had kept mankind from having everlasting life. God was going to take this Messiah out of the seed of Isaac, and he was going to have this Messiah, his only begotten son, himself had an only son. He was going to send his only son, and his only son was going to give his life because he had never violated the law at all. He had kept the law at all times, so he was righteous and holy, a blemish-free Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And God was going to use him to restore mankind to everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven. That was huge. To restore every man, woman, and child, all who believed on him, to restore the billions and billions and billions of them that would believe on him, to everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven, the most amazing place for the life that they were designed for, created in the very image of God. Everlasting eternal spirit inside. So when this body gets old and it falls apart, as they do, doesn't matter how old, how young you are, this is what's happening. You say, I'm getting old. You know what? I'm getting old no faster than you're getting old. And you're getting old at the same rate that I am. I just got a head start on you. So God wants to restore everlasting life to mankind. That's what he designed us for, to be his children, to live with him forever. And then God said to Abraham on one of the mountains that I'll tell you about. There was a certain place that God had in mind and he commanded Abraham to go to that place. And that particular spot is where this would all happen. 
God carefully directed each detail of what we're seeing here today. He said, your only son, Isaac, the one whom you love. Now, it must have like, just been like a knife stabbing in Abraham when he said, I want you to take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him. But then he said, your son whom you love. He, he was reminding Abraham how much you love that miracle child that I was giving you. But God wanted to see, do you love me more, Abraham? And he was going to test Abraham in this. He was going to test him to reveal the faith that God had already put in his heart. Faith is not of ourselves. You don't work it up. You don't manufacture it. It's not of man. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's what it says in the Bible. And so this is the first mention in this verse today that we just covered. This is the first mention of love in the Bible. Did you know that? And it's really appropriate, isn't it? Because that's the lesson that God is going to teach Abraham today. He's going to teach him, Abraham, I'm not like those pagan gods of the people around you that sacrifice their children. I'm not a mean, angry God. I'm a God of love, Abraham. And I'm going to show you this. And God knew that he was going to stop Abraham from sacrificing his son. And so it's totally appropriate that this is the first mention of the word love in all of the Bible, right here in these two verses today. And it was love, not only just love in general, but it was love between a father and a son. Abraham, take your son Isaac, whom you love, your only son Isaac, whom you love. What was God saying? God was saying, in one day, other people will understand what I've done here, Abraham that I took my only son, whom I love, and I did allow him to be sacrificed for the sins of mankind. And that's what my son did willingly. And that's what I willingly did to restore mankind to me. And that's why this is the first mention of love in the Bible. You see the story of love between Abraham and his son, Isaac, and you see the story between God and his son, Yeshua. That's the picture that's being painted here today. Now notice in Genesis 22, verse 3, it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, and he saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with them, and Isaac his son. And he himself, it seems like, split the wood for the burnt offering. And he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now it says, Abraham arose early in the morning. <laughs> you know... Think of what he must have been thinking during the night. It must have been a night with no sleep at all as he thought about what was going to happen in only a few more hours. There wasn't the slightest hint of hesitation, though, on Abraham's part. Abraham got up early in the morning to do this, and he was even wanting to just get it over with. He had servants that could have gone out and split that wood for him, but he chose to do it himself. He put him on the donkey, all the wood and everything, got everything ready. He had kind of a nervous energy. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you're nervous and you don't know what's going to happen and you just like to work to kind of get it out of your mind. Well, that's what was happening with Abraham. Abraham trusted God even when he didn't understand what God was going to do. Sometimes we say, God, I'm not going to obey you 
I'm not going to believe in you until I understand it all. You have to tell me what you're going to do. Why is it that you want to understand God's plan for your life? There's really only one reason it comes down to. And that's because you're going to see whether or not you approve of God's plan for your life. Mm. How can you, being mortal, being flawed, not knowing all things, making mistakes constantly, how can you judge the plans of God who is perfect in wisdom, perfect in power, who knows the future? It's better just to trust Him. I tell people all the time, I've mentioned it to you before, it's not important what you know about when you know or where something's going to happen or how it's going to happen. The only thing that's important is who you know, and that's the Lord. When you know Him in life, He's all you need to know. He's all you need, and everything else will be taken care of, and not just taken care of in any old way, but taken care of perfectly. Abraham didn't debate or seek counsel from others. He didn't go around saying, listen, i got to talk to you about something, my friend. Uh, God is asking me to do this. He's telling me to do this, really, and He wants me to sacrifice my son. What do you think? He didn't get the counsel of men. He knew that God had spoken to him. <laughs> I remember the words of President Abraham Lincoln. People were asking him questions about his faith in God because he believed in the Lord and he believed in Jesus Christ as Lord. And people were saying, well, if you believe in God, then what about this? And it was something they didn't understand and he didn't understand it either. But I love his answer. He said, you know, it's not the things that I don't understand about God's Word that worry me. It's not those things that I cannot understand that worry me the most. It's the things that I do understand and I cannot possibly misunderstand in God's Word. That's the things that worry me. The things that I know that God wants me to do. I can't get away from them. He knows that I know. I know that I know. And now he's looking at me to see if I do what he says. Just obey what he says. You see, Abraham didn't seek counsel from others because he knew in his own heart of hearts that this is what God had told him to do. And he got up early, put that wood on the donkey. Abraham trusted God even when he didn't feel like it. So many people today say, oh, well, I'll do it later, but I just don't feel like it now. I'm all sad because God asked me to do this. I don't know what God's doing in my life, and so I don't know. I need to sit down and, and think it all out, you know. In, uh, in the 60s and 70s, the hippie people, the, the hippies would say, i got to go out and find myself, man. i got to go out and get my head together. What does that mean, you know? It's, you better, better check it to make sure it's all there in one piece, you know. And actually some of the drugs that they had back then, I'm not sure it was there in all in one piece anymore either. So, But God wanted Abraham to trust him in everything. And Abraham trusted God even when he didn't feel like it, even when he emotionally didn't feel good. Who said you have to emotionally feel good before you obey God? Sometimes it's obeying God that is the very thing that's going to make you feel good 
and heal that pain that you're experiencing. There's not a line in these verses today that we read that talked about how Abraham felt because he didn't feel. He was walking by faith and not by feelings. God had patiently been training Abraham, bringing him to this place of great trust in him. In just the last chapter, God asked Abraham to give up Ishmael in a less severe way. God used that to stretch Abraham's faith. He used everything before that to stretch Abraham's faith, to train Abraham up and to build him into a man of faith. Then it says that he had saddled his donkey. And the phrasing suggests that Abraham did this work personally. He saddled his donkey, split the wood, as we said. He had plenty of servants to do it for him, but, but he was just nervous energy. He wanted to do this himself. He wanted to get it over with. He was thinking as he went. I don't know about you, but, you know, if, if you live in a place that has a, a place for a car or something, a garage attached to the place where you live, you know, guys, I'm not sure what it is about us guys, but I go out to the garage and I just clean up the garage. And I do that to relax. My wife sees me lifting things and working around and just sweating everything out in the garage, moving all this stuff around and trying to organize it and all. I'm working so hard. And she goes, this is your day off. What are you doing working so hard? I go, I'm not working hard. I'm relaxing. <laughs> Sometimes that's how we relax. We just do what we call mindless activity. Do things that you don't have to think about a lot so that as you're doing it, you can think about other things that are on your mind. And that's the way Abraham was, as we see in, in this story today. Then he went to the place that God had told him. Went right to the spot, didn't delay. He did this even though it would have been easier in Abraham's eyes if God had asked Abraham to sacrifice himself. He would have gladly made the decision to sacrifice himself instead of his son. Because after all, he had lived a long and prosperous life. And here's Isaac in whom the promise of God for all of these descendants was going to come. And so Abraham would have gladly given himself. But Isaac, we're going to find out, actually volunteered to do this. Actually cooperated with Abraham and actually agreed to what was being done. Now, then it says in verses 4 through 8, it says, Abraham journeyed to the place of sacrifice with Isaac. It said, let's read it. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. On the third day of travel, he lifted up his eyes. He saw the place from afar off. God had showed him which place it was. And Abraham said to his young man, you stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the, word, uh, took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on his son Isaac. And he took the fire in his hand to make the fire with for the burnt offering. He took a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Look. The fire is here and the wood is here, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Oh, the lessons in these verses. 
all the lessons in these verses, we see, first of all, that Abraham didn't delay. He went to the place that God had pointed out to him. And incidentally, it was a place where God would one day, many, many years later, sacrifice his own son and give his son for the sins of mankind. And Abraham told the young guys who were with him, the two guys that were with him, he said, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going to go over yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Well, that's interesting. He said, we will come back to you? We will come back to you? He's going to sacrifice his son. Ah, it's a clue there. Abraham knows deep down in his heart that somehow God is not going to let Isaac die. And even if he were to die, God's going to raise him from the dead because all of those descendants have to come through Isaac. God had already told him, through Isaac your seed will be called. All those descendants are going to come through Isaac. And so Abraham knew that something was going on and God would do something. And so he told his two servants, he said, you stay here with the donkey, we'll come right back to you. We're going over there and we're going to worship, he said. Now that word worship is an interesting word. You can worship with music. You can worship silently before the Lord in your thoughts with your hands raised or your hands in your lap. It doesn't matter. It's a matter of the heart. And when you worship and give yourself to the Lord, you can be doing different things. Worship has the music, the worship music with the guitars, pianos, people singing, doing all of these things. Worship can involve dance in some places. Worship can involve reading the Bible and, and be in awe of what God is doing and in your mind thinking Him, thinking about Him. But He told the woman at the well from Samaria in John chapter 4, He says, the, the moment is coming when the Father will seek those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. There's many ways to worship the Lord. It turns out that this word worship that is used is the Hebrew word for bow down. For bow down, to humble yourself before the Lord and to bow down and listen to the Lord. And so Abraham tells his servants, he said, the boy and I are going to go over yonder and we're going to worship. We're going to bow down before the Lord, listen to the Lord. See what he wants us to do in life. And we'll come back to you. And he said, we'll come back to you. And so then it said he took the wood and he put it on his son Isaac. Now, Isaac was a young man at that time. And Isaac was much stronger than his father, Abraham, who is now a pretty old guy, you know. And I know something about old guys. I know how weak they can become later in life, you see. So Abraham had become weak, so he put this on his son Isaac. Well, right there we see Isaac is willing to carry the wood for the offering. But along the way, he says to his father, he says, Father, and the father said, here I am. Isaac said, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And then Abraham says this prophetic term. He said, my son, God him, will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. When it comes time to atone for the sins of mankind permanently, not just once a year on Yom Kippur, 
when it comes time, the perfect time in God's wisdom to atone for the sins of mankind so that all who believe on His atoning Son, the Lamb of God, will have everlasting life. All those sins be erased, be wiped out completely forever. Forever, never to be atoned for again. When it comes time for that, he's saying, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. You won't have to bring your lamb to the temple. You won't have to bring those pigeons. You won't have to bring that ox to the temple. You won't have to bring those offerings to the temple of your own hand because God will provide for himself the offering that permanently takes away the sins of mankind. Then it says, so the two of them went together. Now we saw at the first of this verse, it was on the third day. Abraham came to the place that God wanted him to. On the third day, the region of, you would say in English, Moriah, or in Hebrew, Moriah, or Moriah as you would say in English, is associated with Mount Moriah, which is modern day Jerusalem in that area. And then Abraham takes Isaac with him to the place where one day, the true Lamb of God, Jesus the Messiah, would be Trent would be uh, uh, give His life for the sins of mankind, would atone for the sins of mankind on that same mount in that same area. This whole thing was about the prophecy and about commemorating what God knew would happen in the future. Now Abraham didn't know that this was only a test. He had to think that it was real. He had to think that this was something that God really wanted him to do or else he wouldn't make the right decision. God could not know if the decision that Abraham was making was because he found out that it was just a test and God really wasn't going to let him take his son's life. He couldn't let him know that. He wanted to see in the hardest of situations would Abraham's faith still obey and trust God. In the Cold War, where the United States was opposite the Soviet Union for so many years, and they both had the largest stockpiles of nuclear weapons. And these weapons would be stored on missiles that could be launched. They were stored underground in missile silos to where the enemy could not bomb them and destroy those silos and so that those missiles could be launched. If the enemy ever attacked you and tried to destroy America, then America would press the button and launch these and you would be destroyed too. And that doctrine of self-defense was called mutually assured destruction. Appropriately, the acronym is MAD. It was MAD, it was crazy. Mutual assured destruction. Someone would have to be crazy to attack America with nuclear weapons because America would just have to have the people in the silos launch those missiles out and then the person who launched that attack against America would also be totally destroyed. And that was called mutually assured destruction. But America had to test every once in a while to see if the people who were in those missile silos who would press the button to launch those missiles if they got the order, if they got the command, if they would really go through with it and do it, knowing that what would happen would be that missile was going to fly halfway around the world and destroy all of those people too. The generals 
and the military brass, the leaders of the military, had to know were these soldiers, were these airmen strong enough in will that they would go ahead and press the button. And so sometimes they staged a drill, but they did not tell the soldiers that it was a drill. They did not tell the soldiers that it was a test. They gave the order to launch the missiles as if someone had already launched missiles against the United States and now we were going to launch ours. And the soldiers had no way of knowing if it was real or not. They had to assume that it was real. But then sometimes a few of the people would not launch the missiles. Now, the people had come in from the government and had changed the circuitry on the, on the launch switch and the circuit boards and everything to where it wouldn't really launch the missiles. But the soldiers sitting there had no way of knowing that. And then the generals would watch them. And if there was a soldier who did not launch the missile, they knew they could not trust that soldier. So they got him out of there and replaced him with someone that they could depend upon to do what needed to be do, done to defend America from this attack. In the same way, God wanted to know Abraham's faith if it was genuine faith. And so he made sure Abraham didn't know that he wasn't going to let him kill Isaac. Abraham thought this was real, and he just assumed that God would raise him from the dead because of the promise that God had made about blessing him with all these descendants through his son Isaac. And we see this in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, when it's recounting this in Abrita Chadashah, in the New Testament. And that says in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Yitzchak, his son. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. And Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him from the dead. He was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which also he received him in a figurative sense, from the dead. In other words, he, he, it, was like, it was like his son Isaac was raised from the dead when he saw that God stopped his hand from killing him. It was like he looked down at his son. It was like he was back from the dead because he was going to be dead, and now he was still alive. He knew, Abraham knew, that with God anything is possible. And he also knew that God was a God of integrity. He said what he meant, he meant what he said. He would keep his word, he would never break his promise. He knew that God was not a liar. He had nothing that God had ever done to him to suggest that God was not trustworthy. He knew that you could trust God. So Abraham took the wood, Isaac carried it up that hill. And we see all of these things that were done between the two of them. And then even Isaac lays down willingly on the altar that's been prepared with the things there. And Isaac was a young man. He could have run away. He could have overpowered his father. But he willingly gave his life. He laid on the altar and was obedient to his father, you see the story of Jesus and God the Father as well. We see Isaac is equal in the faith to his father Abraham. He carried the wood that he was going to be sacrificed on. It's amazing the things that we see that are like Jesus and his sacrifice as we see these things in the story of Isaac. 
then chapter 22, verse 10 through 14, really quickly. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son as he's there on the altar. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, here I am. And then the angel of the Lord said, don't lay your hand on the lad. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you've not even withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behind him, there was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns, caught in the bushes there by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for the burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Yehovah Yireh. Jehovah Jireh, you would say in English. But it's really yud heh the Lord, the name for the Lord, will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. You can just see Abraham's look of relief. You can hear the sigh that he breathed as the Lord stopped him while he was about to kill his son. And you can see the, the relief in his eyes when he saw that ram caught back there. And he understood that God wanted him to use that ram instead of, instead of slaying his son. But Abraham was completely willing to plunge that knife into Isaac. Because his faith in God's ability to raise Isaac from the dead was in his heart. He didn't know that God was going to stop the sacrifice. He had made up his mind that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead if he killed him with that knife that day. But God did something unexpected. Many times in our lives, he does things unexpected as well, right? So we see this situation where there's Abraham, there's his son. And we go on down and we see that God is now going to bless him. He's very impressed with Abraham and the faith that Abraham has now shown. He said, and in this place from now on, it's going to be called the Mount of the Lord. But in the Mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And today, even we remember that and it's memorialized in the scripture as this is the place where it is provided. And certainly many, many years later, after Abraham and Isaac were there, the Son of God, Jesus, Yeshua, the Mashiach, the Messiah, gave His life, laid down on the altar for the Father, in obedience to the Father, to sacrifice Himself and atone for the sins of mankind. And as Abraham had said, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. It didn't say in the mount of the Lord, you will provide for your own salvation. It didn't say in the mount of the Lord, your righteousness will provide for your own salvation. My Jewish religious brother and sister, listen to what I'm saying. The Torah teaches, it is not your righteousness that provides. It's in the mount of the Lord where the sacrifice will happen. The Lord will provide his own sacrifice. The Lord will provide the righteousness. It's not about your failed attempts at righteousness. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. 
Why don't you cease from your labor? Why don't you enter into the true rest of God and cease from your works and let God provide the sacrifice for you? Amen. Now we've seen that God is stretching Abraham's faith and we'll continue from this point next week as we continue in studying the life of Abraham and how God is building Abraham into a man of faith. We see the wonderful works of God, how he did not leave us without a way to have our sins forgiven and he did not trust us to work our way into righteousness because he knew we would fail. And if you're honest with yourself, you would also agree. We do fail. As much as we try to do good, we fail. And when we fail, we're sinners. And the sin is back on us. And the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins. And so the Son of God said, Here I am, Father. In this body you have given me. And I come to live for you. And he gave his life for us, the Son of God. That's the love of God. That's the care that God has for you. That's how he feels for you, that he would give his only begotten Son that you might live. And then because Yeshua had no sin of his own, God became a man and did these things and kept the law at all times. Because Yeshua had no sins of his own, death could not hold him. Because death only holds the person who has sin in his life. And that is everybody else. That's you. That's me. But the Son of God came and kept the law at all times. So he had no sin of his own. So death could not hold him. Therefore he was released from the dead and risen from the dead. And is now back again at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. Why don't you give your life to God today, right now? If you call out to Him, He'll hear you cry. And He'll answer you. He'll rescue you from that darkness you're in. He'll shine His light on your heart, and you'll be given newness of life. He'll change you into a new person. Throw away all those past failures. You'll be made completely new, given a new start. And He'll give you everlasting life in heaven, and that's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you a chance to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Lord and to receive God's peace in your life today. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing. It's not about your works. You simply believe. The greatest gift for the simple act of believing. You simply believing in Him, the Son of God, that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. You can be saved. Just pray something like this. You can even repeat it after me if you'd like. Just say, God, I do want to know You and have real peace in life. I believe on Your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord. Please forgive all my sins, Father. I give my life to You. Thank You, Lord. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer... I'll tell you something. God heard you. And He's already started working in your life. A seed's been planted deep down in your heart. And over time, you're going to begin to see the wonderful changes that God's making in your heart, in your life. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him in His Word every day. Talk to God in prayer every day. 
He's going to do beautiful things in your life.